Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, coming up on this special edition of the Gegen Pod, I'm Amy Duggan, and I'll be joined by Matildas and Arsenal defender Steph Catley and our Optusport reporter Michelle Escobar as we take a deep dive into the UEFA Women's Euros, which will be coming up on Optusport in July. We cannot wait for this, and we also catch up with Steph about what she's doing now and what the future holds. Don't miss a moment. Hello and welcome to our Women's Euros preview podcast. The European Women's Football Championships are kicking off on July 7. We will have the tournament live and exclusive for our Aussie viewers on Optus Sport. Well, football fans are counting down the days. The stage is set, so we thought let's get you in the mood, bring you up to speed and have a chat and hopefully provide you a few good tips on the tournament. I'm Amy Duggan and today I'm joined by fellow Optus Sport reporter and Michelle Escobar, who will be hosting Optus Sport Daily on Snapchat every match day throughout the tournament. Welcome, Michelle. Great to have you with us. Hi, Amy and Steph. So great to be on this. Really excited. It's been well, a while. you've but... stolen my thunder here because <laughs> rum roll. Who else is joining us, of course, is Matilda's defender and Arsenal WSL footballer Steph Catley. Great to have your company, Steph. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, wonderful to have you with us and congratulations again this year on bringing up your 100th cap for Australia. Such a massive achievement and of course you've re-signed with Arsenal for the future. We will get into that a little bit later but we're lucky to have you on and off the field with us today for some unique insight. Let's get into this because it is such an exciting time, a very exciting tournament and as I mentioned it all kicks off on the 7th of July 5am, a nice early rise here in Australia live and exclusive on Optus Sport with some of the the best and brightest talent on show from right across the world. Steph, straight up to you. What are your thoughts on the whole tournament? Because what makes the Euro so good to watch? Yeah, I'm really, really excited to watch this one. I mean, most major tournaments I'm involved in and preparing for, so it's all a little bit more serious, a little more tactical, but it's nice to be an observer in this one and know so many players going into it. And when you look at the teams that are involved, it's just so exciting. I think there's amazing matchups in every single group and the quality and the standard of the players and the teams that's going to be on show is going to be incredible. It is really a female football festival, isn't it? Michelle, we are spoilt with football content at Optus. Why are the Euros on the top of your watch list? I just think that we're going to be able to watch, you know, some of the best players in the world, ones that we actually get to see in the Women's Super League, like Steph herself, but I guess uh, some of her teammates and some of her opponents. And I'm excited to see how well they're going to do, you know, like the likes of Viviana Miedema, Fredelina Rolfo, Alexi Puteas, the list goes on and on. So it's super exciting. Yeah, it is a big, long list of superb talent on show. There are four groups in this competition. It is the 13th instalment of the tournament. 16 teams this time around, four groups. So let's drill down into those in a moment. But is a big game to kick the tournament off. Of course, England is hosting this one. They will come up against Austria. Now, England has been on an absolute warpath since appointing the former Netherlands coach in Serena Wagman. Um, Steph, what have you made of their recent appearances? Yeah, I think they've looked really, really good. I think England uh, have put together an amazing squad. They've got solid players in the front line, midfield, back line. Their depth is incredible. And I think they just look like they're in a really good place. I think sometimes with England, um, there can be a little bit of turmoil, turmoil in the back of the camp that sometimes you're you can see that comes out onto the onto the field, but this time it looks like everyone's really happy. Um, the coach has got them in a great place, and it looks like they're ready to go. So I would be very worried if I was the other teams looking at England. 
Yeah, pre-tournament favourite, that is for sure. But can they handle the pressure on home soil? We will have to wait and see. Michelle, there's some other big fixtures to look forward to in the group stage, isn't there? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see, you know, the likes of Germany and Spain and uh, Denmark and Finland all go head-to-head in the group of death. That's going to be super um, interesting to see, especially Spain, because they're another one that have a lot of expectations. Um, and Germany, you know, they're a, a powerhouse and they've, they're the most successful team in, in the Euro. So, it's yeah, there's a lot of fixtures out there that are going to be very fascinating. There sure are. And Steph, there's plenty of big names lining up too. We've mentioned a few already, but many of them are either your teammates or, of course, you play against them on a regular basis now. Who are some of the players you think we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick just a couple. Um, and I have a lot of very talented teammates. Um, when I think about, if I think about England as maybe the favourites and potentially going really, really deep into the tournament, I think Lee Williamson's going to be really, really important for them. I think you know, when we're playing, um, when she's playing in my team at Arsenal, we look like a different team without her and she's so solid there at the back. She's a leader, she's fast. Um, but at the moment she's playing in the midfield for, for England and she's doing a really good job and I think she does the same thing there and sort of marshals everyone and keeps everything connected and she's skillful and smart. So I think she's going to be massive and if she's playing well, I think they'll play well. Um, I also look at a player like Caroline Hansen. Uh, who I've played against a few times, who's just an incredible footballer. She's fast, smart, skillful, um, and I think she'll she'll really dominate this tournament. Stefan, um, Leah Williamson, well, I guess she's taking over from Steph Horton, who was the captain for so long from England. How do you think that she will deal with that new sort of pressure? Yeah, I think Leah's one of those people that's just unfazed by everything. Um, ever since the moment I met her, I felt that way about her. She never seems flustered um, and you kind of forget that she's as young as she is. So it doesn't surprise me that that's the way they went with their, their captaincy and I think she's perfect for it. Um, yeah, so I don't think she'll be overawed by it at all. I think she'll take it in her stride and um, I think it'll add to her game as when she's leading from the front and she's in charge. I think that's when she's playing her best football. Yeah, personally, I am looking forward to those unexpected gems shining through to Steph, you know, the player that just stands up above expectation. And I love also to look at the next generation that's coming through to the rising stars and watching at, uh, how the game is progressing and growing and changing as each generation comes through. And um, this will be a tournament of crowds as well. We've, we've seen massive attendances across the world and um, we're assuming that that will continue throughout the Euros, especially with ticket sales so far. So let's hope that that continues. Let's dive into these groups team by team. And you guys, are, I can tell of so much to say um, about England and we will start there, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on what you think we'll see from these teams, any challenges, do they have any weaknesses? And uh, then I will round out each of these groups with who you think will go through the group stage. So let's take a look at Group A. Of course, it has eighth ranked nation and host England, Austria, Norway and Northern Ireland. It is one of the most competitive groups at the European Championship. Uh, The hosts, as we said, are the tournament favourites. Norway will be there. Northern Ireland are competing for the first time and Austria 2017 semi-finalists, all trying to spoil England's party, no doubt. We've talked about a couple of players here in Leah Williamson, but there's there's a whole heap of players on this team, isn't there, Steph? Like Lauren Hamp, you know, world-class balls into the box. She's super quick, a few tricks up her sleeve. She's a prolific goal scorer. Ella Toon is that next generation. Ellen White will no doubt be there. What are you looking forward to seeing from this team? Yeah, I mean, every name you just mentioned, it's exciting to think about that. I think when you look at the competitiveness in their squad and the front line in particular, you don't know who's going to start in any given game. And I think that plays in their favour massively. Um, One of my teammates, Beth Mead, is in the form of her life right now and she's um, assisting for fun. She's scoring. She's having fun playing. And I just think she's going to be extremely dangerous. But then you look at the likes of someone like Chloe Kelly, who's just come back from injury, who's also an incredible player. She's so fast, skillful. Um, so I don't know how they're going to manage to fit all of those players in, but it's a long tournament, so they'll, they'll have plenty of surprises and, um, yeah, lots of, lots of good players on show. Lots of depth, Michelle, and that, that's one of the things Serena Wagman will have uh, – 
you know, headaches over probably, but one of the things she loves to do is play from the back line and, and change tactics and keep the opposition guessing. This will be a chance to do that. Yeah, definitely. So, and another player as well that I'm really interested to see how she'll go is Fran Kirby. Uh, you know, she's had some issues with fatigue and health issues. And so she, you know, up until like the last minute really has been trying to get her fitness up to the to the level that it needs to be and you know she's a fantastic player for for Chelsea she plays so well alongside Sam Kerr so uh Vigman's really taken a chance on on her and hopefully it it's able to to pay off so Steph how do you think they'll go on home soil under pressure yeah it's a big ask and I think sometimes it can be a massive advantage and sometimes it goes in the other direction and you really never know until you're there. But like I said, I think England are coming into this tournament very, very confident. I think they're playing really well and they look really connected. And um, I think at the moment they've got everyone healthy. So that's sort of the biggest battle. And you'd think, you know, with that kind of confidence, the crowd can only do them good. And from the sounds of it, most of it's all sold out and they're in big stadiums. It's it's a big occasion. So I suppose you never know, but I think, I think they'll use it and they'll be okay. <laughs> So you don't see it as a weakness and, and does this side have a weakness? I don't see it as a weakness, but like I said, you never know. Sometimes it can be too much pressure um, and maybe in a big moment in one of the games it, it gets too much and it will be, but that's part of tournament football. It's Not every game is going to be perfect. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to see too much of a weakness at the moment. That could be it. Um but otherwise, I think, you know, the depth that they have and the, the quality of players, I think they're, they're looking really strong. And their first game against Austria, Michelle, it's important to get off to the right start. Yeah, definitely. So, the, you know, there's so much hype around it, so much expectation. And Austria, they're not going to be that easy as well. They do have a very good uh, a striker, Nicole Biller, who's done really well in the in the German league. So they, da- they do have to be very careful, but I'm sure that Wegman, you know, she's the perfect manager, having taken Netherlands to, to glory at the last Euros. So she'll be you know, preparing the, the Lionesses very, very well. As we said, tournament favourites and some big expectations on the English side's shoulders. Let's talk about their opponent in Austria, also in this group, ranked 21 in the world. You mentioned Hoffenheim's Nicole Biller. Look, she is potent up front, but I feel like a lot of the team's hopes really rely on her getting the ball in good position, Steph. Yeah, definitely. I think Austria are one of those teams that are just solid all round. They've got good players sort of all over the park, maybe not as much depth as when you look at a team like England, but... Um, a really solid, organised team. And I have a few teammates with me at Arsenal and they're incredible players. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game and definitely not an easy start for England. They were semi-finalists in 2017, Michelle, and uh, someone that missed out on that was Barbara Dunst. And she she was 19, I think, or 20 at the time and has just completed an amazing, outstanding season uh, in Germany. And she also poses a real threat to opposing sides with her pace. She's technical and she has precise finishing. Is is she one of the players you're looking forward to seeing uh, for this side or is there someone else that stands out for you? Yeah, most definitely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing her and, as I mentioned, um, Nicole Biller as well. And I guess Austria, they do have they have retained a lot of the, the players from that 2017 side, which they went on that fairy tale run. So, yeah, it will be fascinating to see whether they can replicate that. And they don't really have that expectation, so they could potentially be, I guess, a dark horse. The dark horse of Group A. Well, someone that has been called a dark horse of the tournament is Norway, also in this group, ranked 12th in the world. Martin Sorgen's side welcomes back their key player, Ada Hegerberg. Uh, the 2018 Ballon d'Or winner isn't the only star in this side, though, Steph. No, I actually was just scrolling through my Instagram the other day and a team photo came up of Norway. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. And I was like... <laughs> I had I actually don't think I realized how many incredible players played for Norway. It kind of just took me by surprise. I was like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like all good players, Hegerberg, Hansen, Guru Wrighton. Um, yeah, I just think that they're, they're stacked and I didn't realize that they were that experienced and that full of quality. So I think I'm particularly looking forward to England versus Norway. I think that'll be 
an incredible game. And um, yeah, I think they could be one for me that I'm I'm watching to go really, really deep. Michelle, their, their style of play is impressive. Of course, Australia faced them in 2019. Can we expect that kind of same style of play? And Mara Majeld is another name that pops in um, to your head when you're thinking about this side, more in a defensive role. But uh, what are you expecting from this side tactically? Yeah, I do think that they're going to be uh, come across like very well, and they're going to be very strong in attack. Of course, having Ada Hagerberg back, you know, she wasn't there at the 2019 World Cup, and she is such a, a powerhouse, such a force. And in her first game back for Norway in five years, she scored a hat trick against Kosovo. So you know, she she's rearing to go, and and she's been fantastic for Leon as well. So having her alongside, like Steph said, so many other fantastic players uh they're going to be a real force and then there's this team which you know comes to us all probably as a surprise and not to be confused with the republic of ireland we've got northern ireland competing for the first time kenny shield's side is ranked 47th in the world what are the highlights we're looking from from this team obviously their goal to be uh you know to stand up on the, the world stage and get out of the group stage but what are we expecting from this team I'm really interested to see how they go because Kenny Shields is actually a very controversial character. He did say that uh, when they lost to England by, I think it was 5-0, that uh, women are more emotional when it comes to conceding, but <laughs> his, old, his old team stood by him. So I think that that cohesion and you know, them all supportive of one another is going to mean something. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go but expectations aren't high at all and they're not expected to get out of the group have you had any uh, familiarity with these players Steph I haven't at all um but I just I do think sometimes when a team like that comes into a major tournament like this it's obviously means a lot to them and they've almost got a chip on their shoulder and they're the underdogs no pressure and that can sometimes be really really difficult to play against especially for a team, um, the teams in this group that are actually expected to do really well and, and, and make the finals and whatnot, a team like this, no pressure, can be really dangerous. And I think it's definitely something that um, the other teams in the group have to watch out for. Yeah, and if they're passionate and emotional, look out, people. Uh, one of the key players <laughs> to look out for, Rachel Furness, or she plays for Liverpool in the midfield, probably the pick of the bunch there. She has uh, passion in droves and is a real fighter, but uh, like the pair of you, I do not think they have the quality and the depth to progress out of the group stage of their first ever major tournament, and they really do come in as rank outsiders. All right, we've had a quick look at these four teams. Absolutely amazing. Let's work it out now. Who is going through? For me, I would say England are going to top the group and Norway are going to be second. Uh, Austria might have it in them to cause a few upsets, but I think it's going to be those two. Yeah, I would agree. I think potentially Norway have – I can see them finishing top. I don't know. Say England have a slow start, um, a little bit of an upset, maybe overawed by the occasion, but it'll definitely be one of those two in my opinion. Okay, well, I would really like to think that Austria is going to pull one out of the bag because I find them seriously amazing to make the semifinals in 2017. Uh, Also amazing from a country which, despite all the good results, still really struggles to get young girls into football. In fact, at the moment, I think only 7% of active players in Austria are female. But like the pair of you, I am definitely sitting on uh, the English-Norwegian the English-Norwegian to finish 1-2 in this one. Well, there we have it. We think that it'll be England and Norway going through from Group A. So that takes us on to Group B. This is a big one. We have Germany. We have Spain. So entertaining. We have Denmark and we have Finland in this one. This is a really tough one to pick, I believe. We have Germany, who's been eight-time winner of this tournament. They haven't had silverware since 2016. So are they still a threat? Can they be up there and take out their ninth? Who knows? Let's go through these teams one by one. Martina Vos-Tecklenburg obviously coaching Germany. Their key player for me is Alexandra Pop. We'll talk about her, no doubt, as we go through uh, this German lineup. But, Steph, what are you expecting from this German side? Yeah, I think Germany are one of those teams that in a major tournament you always have to look out for them. I think they've got so much experience um, in high-pressure situations. They've got incredible players that are playing in big leagues all over the world and they've also got a lot of young up-and-coming players that are looking very, very dangerous and 
full of quality. So I think it's def- they're definitely a team to watch. And what about you, Michelle? What are you expecting from this team? Can they can they bring back their old school form or will they uh, be one of these teams that just doesn't quite live up to expectation? I think they might be one of those teams that don't live up to expectations. The, the concern for them is that they don't have that level of unity and cohesion like the likes of Sweden and France and England. So I think they will get deep in, into the tournament, but I don't think they'll be able to go all the way and replicate the glory of, of the past. Of course, because they're Olympic gold medalists and uh, someone like Alex Pop has racked up 114 caps. This will probably be her last major tournament. They really missed her back in 2017 and, and again, unexpectedly fell out in the quarterfinal stage there. They'll be looking to make up for that. Lena Orbedorf is one of the, the younger players that we're looking at as that next generation. She's only 20. She plays in multiple positions right across the park and is one for me. They come up against Denmark uh, in their opening match. Uh, how do you think they'll go in that, Steph? Yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting game. I think it'll be quite even. Um, you know, both teams have got very, very good players and they're both well-structured, organised. Um, I do agree with you, Michelle. I think it's not going to be the Germany of the past. So maybe um, that'll give Denmark a little sniff to get some points uh, after the first game. But it'll be a very interesting game and I'm actually really excited for that one. Me too, but they come up, as we said, against Denmark. Lars Sondergaard has this side. They have a key player in Pernille Harder, someone I'm sure you'd be very familiar with, uh, Steph, as a defender. Of course, she plays up front for Chelsea, um, known for being the most expensive female player in the world. She's uh, got absolutely magnificent feet and has won a whole swathe of awards. What can you tell us about Pernille as a player? Yeah, she's a she's a great player. I think, you know, playing against her, um, she's one of those players that you instantly feel is going to be make it a tough day. Um, you know, she's a workhorse. She never stops moving. Her runs are so, so intelligent. She's always reading the game. She seems to be one step ahead. And I think she drives her team with that work rate. I think when I've, I've watched, you know, Chelsea in the past, even the way that she she's moving and she's constantly hungry for goals and looking for the ball and, um, I think that kind of brings her teammates with her. So, I, I, you know, she does that for Chelsea. She's she's going to do it for Denmark. And in a tournament like this, she's going to really want to perform. And I can see her um, dominating, definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that I don't want to keep on using the term dark horse, but I do think that they <laughs> are another one that, yeah, everyone has to be very careful about because, as you said, Steph, Penilla Harder is, you know, a, a, just a superb player and she is probably the one that's going to make the the difference for them um they also do have some um great young players like Sophie's father who who plays for Real Madrid so she's definitely one to watch and, and see what she can do because she has been doing some great stuff in the in the Spanish league so yeah I think Denmark they're they're definitely going to be a dangerous uh side and a great story with Nadia and Adim um She's 34 years old and obviously coming back from an ACL, but such a wonderful backstory uh, being a refugee and coming in and then uh, debuting for this Danish side and, you know, now coming all the way to the Euros. And I think people sometimes write uh, write this team off and they shouldn't because if I cast you back to 2017, these guys actually finished runner-up. They were beaten 4-2 in the final, of course, but to even make the final of the Euros uh, was an absolutely outstanding achievement for this side. And I also think this is uh, a group that's, you know, we'll talk about Spain next, but it's wide open after Spain tops the group in my in my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion. All right, so let's, let's go on to Spain because they're, you know, they are, I think, uh, apart from England, the other tournament favourite with this. They have the uh, current Ballon d'Or uh, winner in Alexia Puteas. Um, their manager, Jorge Vilda, has been with this group of players for a really long time. He took them through the junior ranks and had you know, uh, quite a lot of success with them. And now you're starting to see that payoff uh, at the top level. There's a really heavy Barcelona feel to this side. I think there's nine um, nine people from the Barcelona, nine players from the Barcelona team here. Can they, this is my question to you, can they take that form, and, and we have seen their amazing result in the past few days against Australia, but can they take their form and put it into tournament football? I think that they're going to be the ones that are going to, going to win the tournament. They are just 
next level and having so many of those Barcelona players is going to make a difference because Barcelona are absolutely dominating Europe at the moment. So I I do think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the only concern for Spain is that apparently they don't gel as well as what Barcelona does. Uh, that they don't have their own identity. Uh, but I, I don't know, seeing them play recently, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue in this tournament. Steph, do they scare you? <laughs> I don't like to admit that I'm scared of it. <laughs> no, I think Spain are one of those teams where they are, they're full of quality players right now and some of the best in the world in their positions. Um, so I do see them going very, very far. My only concern is that when you look at Barcelona, they've got that Spanish midfield um, and then mostly their front line is uh, more international players and they're they're X-factor and they're fast and they score goals. And I think missing that, sometimes when I've watched Spain in the past, they've been lacking that X-factor in the final third and maybe I wonder where all the goals might come from. I mean, they're obviously... Because previously they would have come from Jenny Hermoso. Mm -hmm. Yes, and she's obviously not able to play. So it will be an interesting point for me to watch. I do think they're incredible and I I can definitely see them winning, but that is my only concern with them. Um, Obviously midfield, incredible, but maybe where will the goals come from? Would you say, and uh, you're probably going to say that it's obvious that it is Alexia Proteas because <laughs> in the past, in recent performances, you know, they've looked like they haven't been able to get anything from that final third and it's that individual brilliance that she's yeah. come up with. Yeah, I think you can rely on that to some extent, but in a tournament where everyone's going to be very well prepared, I think they will, they will obviously look at that and that's something that most teams will be looking to stop and it is difficult for one individual to sort of take that all on her shoulders. I do think she's more than capable. She's an incredible player and she'll definitely score goals in this tournament. But whether it's enough to take them all, away, uh, all the way against um, some of these teams, I'm, I'm not sure. Is there a question mark over their defence, Steph? Because obviously we know them as this flary, very technically good, um, you know, forward running side that is creative but is there an issue defensively for them I don't think so I think um you know watching them in the past they've always looked pretty solid um and the way that they press sort of puts them in a position where they do usually win the ball higher up um and they do have uh, Leon there at the back who I think is an incredible player a leader and usually when she's in there they're pretty solid at the back so um I don't see it as a problem but um, yeah, I suppose you never know. They, they do push up really high and they do have so much of the ball that it does leave them exposed some of the time. Yeah, Mappy Leon, this will be her third major tournament appearance, obviously, and um, she too has pretty much won everything domestically and it is a real rock for Spain at the back. Um, very, very classy defender. I look forward to seeing her in action. A side that I haven't seen a lot of and, and will be intriguing uh, to watch, certainly especially when they come up against a team with the class of, of Spain, is Finland. Um, what do we know about this side, Michelle? Um, as you said, not very much, actually. But the the thing is with them that they're not really expected to, to do much. They have had some very heavy results uh, of late. They've lost 5-0 against France and 3-0 against the Netherlands. And most recently, I think in the last week, they lost 5-1 to Japan. So they're not tipped to be causing an upset at all, unfortunately, for them. Uh, Steph, have you ever... Uh crossed uh, Natalia Kuka up front, their three-time Finland Player of the Year award winner. Um, I think she's the key for them to get out. She has played in the United States with Portland Thorns um, in the middle of the park. Have you ever crossed paths? No, I've never crossed paths with her. I think my t- she came after my time in the NWSL, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, yeah, looking at the, the list of players they have, they have a lot of players and always have had players playing in big um, leagues around the world in, in really good teams. So I think they'll just be – they'll be a solid team. Um, obviously, this group is deathly <laughs> looking. It will be very difficult for them. Um, but they do have solid uh, – very solid players, and I think it'll be – It'll be interesting to see how they go. And it might, like I said, with the the Northern Ireland situation, it might be one of those underdog, no pressure type situations where they can surprise a few teams. 
Yeah, my prediction for this side is to exit at the group stage. Their best ever uh, appearance, I think, at the Euros was a semi-final, but that was way back uh, in 2005. So it uh, sounds almost cruel of us to hold out not much hope for Finland in Group B. So tell me, who are the two teams going through Group B? I'm going to say Spain and Denmark. I've, although in saying that, like, who knows? <laughs> um, but yes, I'm going to say Spain and Denmark because I do think that they have the the quality to get through and I think Germany perhaps might not be able to live up to those expectations. Steph? I'm going to say Spain and Germany. I just have faith Spain in Germany, Germany that their experience will come out on top on in a major tournament situation. Like the pair of you, I'm very torn between (laughs) Germany, Spain and Denmark. Uh, I think earlier this week I tipped Denmark as a dark horse, so I'll probably have to stick true with that. I think Spain will top the group. Uh, Denmark will come uh, home second and uh, that'll probably be the last of their run once the, the teams cross over, but we'll see how they go. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Moving on to Group C, this is intriguing too because we have the defending champs in Holland or the Netherlands. We have number two ranked side in the world, Sweden. We have Portugal and we have Switzerland. The Netherlands uh, lost their coach, who's obviously gone to the English side and have now... uh, Englishman Mark Parsons at just 35 has taken up the reins. He would be a little disappointed with his side's recent outing against England though, Steph. Yeah, definitely. I think Holland are a great team full of great players. Obviously, when you get a new coach, there's a lot to learn about each other and it can take some time. And obviously, they haven't had a a whole lot of time. Um, But I do think they have the quality to sort of overcome that and still do really, really well in this tournament. Um, You know, they've got a player like Vivian Miedemar, who's my teammate, um, and I just think she has that sort of X factor to, to drive her team to, to winning games. Um, yeah, so I think they'll still do really well. But, yeah, obviously a result like that against England coming into a tournament like this can be quite deflating. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Let's talk about Vivian Miedemar just for a minute because she was instrumental in their 2017 victory in this same tournament. She, she's 25 years old but just seems to score at will. What is it? Yeah, she's just she's just a freak. Like she's just one of those footballers that you look at and you're like you're 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 not real. There's just something about her that uh is different. She's special. Um she can score in any given moment, left foot, right foot. She's one of those players that at training she's so frustrating to play against because she'll just be floating around, not doing much. And then you'll defend her from maybe um five centimetres too far away and she'll put it top bins on her her left foot. Like she's just, she's a freak. She's a game changer um, and she's definitely capable of taking this tournament by storm. She will form part of a very stacked team, Michelle, uh, Sherida Spitz, Leaky Martins, uh, so many players um, that have come through this Netherlands system. What are we expecting tactically from this team? Will we see something different now that they're coached by uh, the Englishman and um, what are you looking forward to? I'm not quite sure if we will see something uh, drastically different. I mean, there has been a lot of criticism of Mark Parsons for his for the recent results that, that they have suffered. But I think when you do have quality players like the likes of uh, Miedemar and Lika Martins, that, that, that's what's going to make the difference. And like Steph knows, Miedemar is just the ultimate finisher. She is so clinical in front of goals. So, yeah, I think she's definitely going to be up there with player of the tournament. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that the Netherlands aren't going to have any trouble getting out of the group. And the other team that will probably be holding their hands the whole way through will be Sweden. They're the top seed at this tournament, ranked number two in the world at the moment. Peter Kahadsen's been with them since 2017, and he has this side playing some 
beautiful football. Of course, they were third at the the Women's World Cup in 2019, second at the 2020 Olympics last year, a a foe to Australia. We've met them many, many times. Uh, Lots of new players coming through, but also someone like Carolyn Seager. She's just ageless. She's 37 and, again, likely heading into her final European Championships after 12 major tournaments. They have other players like Aslani, uh, Black Stenius, Rolfo, so many players that Aussies are, are now familiar with. And, of course, teammates of yours too, Steph, and, and, and players that you play both for and against. Yeah, Sweden, uh, when you're reading out the list of players there, it's sort of like a Norway situation for me. You, you forget how stacked they are. You forget how many amazing players they have in their team. And um, obviously we came up against them at the Olympics. It felt like about eight or nine times in the same tournament. But um, yeah, they're, they're always very, very strong in tournament mode. I think they're always well coached. They're very organized. They all know their roles in every individual situation um, in every game. And I do think they have that X factor as well with the, you know, players like Rolfo, um, Blackstenius. Uh, yeah, I think they've got they've got a good mix of everything and they're very disciplined as well. You know, Ericsson leading at the back. Um, and when we play against Sweden, we're always focused on Sega. It's just amazing. She's, she's ageless, like you said. She um, just keeps getting stronger and stronger with age and I think they'll, be, they'll actually be a really, really strong team uh, throughout the whole tournament. You mentioned Magdalena Ericsson. Um, statistics will tell you that a lot of Sweden's play actually starts with her and goes through her uh, as they make their way forward. What are you expecting from this side, Michelle, tactically the same across the playing out from the back, coming down the wings and, and providing quality crosses to, you know, some strong, strong forwards uh, in the box? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of pace as well. And I, I've been reading quite a bit about Sweden, given that, that they are one of the favourites. And it is being said that the team is better now than ever before which is quite concerning for all their other opponents and and especially their game against the Netherlands is going to be uh, really interesting to see because they haven't lost uh, a game in normal time since they uh, took on the Netherlands at the World Cup in 2019 so they're they're just solid all round really. Yeah, they, they will be one to watch out for. And as I said, the top-ranked side in this tournament. Let's see how deep they go uh, out of the group for sure. They will face Portugal, who's an interesting story, isn't it? Ranked 30th in the world. It is their second Euros, um, but in this case, they've kind of drawn the lucky straw because they got called in to replace Russia, Michelle. Yes, they did too, yeah. So they didn't quite make it through the the playoffs, obviously, to get through to the Euros, but they're, they're in um, now and... They're another side that don't really have any expectations, um, and so yeah, I'm not expecting much. A short from them, tournament is that nice. what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. It's <laughs> trying to find the polite words to say it, <laughs> um, but um, you know they'll they'll, they'll go out there and, and do their best. I'm sure. Yeah, obviously we watched the result against Australia recently. Um, Steph, disappointing not to have our superstars out there against um, the, the two nations that we recently played. But what were your thoughts? Did you watch the game and what were your thoughts on this Portuguese team? Yeah, I did watch the game and I was actually pleasantly surprised. Well, obviously not playing against us if they're playing well. I don't want that. But um, when I'm thinking forward to this tournament, I think they actually – had aspects to their game that can be quite dangerous. I think they've got a lot of pace. Um, they've got some crafty players like Jessica Silva, who is an extremely skillful, smart player, and she makes really, really intelligent runs. Um, I think their finishing is a little bit of an issue, which I think we saw in the game against the Matildas. They had a lot of big, big chances and didn't really come close to, to really hitting the target or, or finishing off those chances. So, um, yeah, I think they do have some good aspects, but I, I agree. I don't see them really getting out of the group. Yeah, Anna Borg's their captain, uh, was strong in that game too after watching them against Australia. But I align with the both of you. I don't really think they will trouble the top teams. Switzerland, though, might be a different story. Ranked 20, Niels Nielsen, who actually formerly coached Denmark. Um, this Swiss side intrigues me a little bit because there's a couple of players um, – the uh, Anna Maria Cernagova Chocic, I think that's how you say her name, and I apologise <laughs> if I've got it wrong. It's long and hard, but they also have a, a midfielder from Arsenal in the team in Leah Walty. Yeah, Leah is a 
probably one of my favorite players to play with um, that I've, you know, in any team that I've played with. She is so strong in all areas. She's smart defensively. She cleans up everything. Uh, she really is the glue for, for every team that she plays in. And her passing ability is second to none. Um, the passing range she has and the runs that she sees, uh, yeah, I've not seen anything like it uh, in a, as long as I've played. So she's she's definitely one that will be fun to watch. Um, you know, it is hard when to be in a team where maybe she doesn't have as much quality around her to, to link up with. But, um, yeah, I can see Switzerland surprising some people and getting some results. Because Leah moves from um, moves forward into the defensive midfield for matches against Switzerland, which I find um, must be unique for her to have to try and adjust to something different. Yeah, definitely. I think she's one of those players that's really versatile, though. She's she's sort of capable of playing anywhere in the midfield, and um, you know she's left-footed, right-footed. She uses both just as much as the other. Um, so she's effective really anywhere she is on the field. I think. You know, a defensive midfield is actually really, really suited to her because, like I said, she really links everyone together and, and holds everything together. So, um, yeah, she'll be fun to watch, definitely. All right, going through this group, it's a simple one for me. I'm saying a cakewalk for Sweden, uh, <laughs> a cakewalk for Sweden <laughs> and also uh, for the Netherlands. Yeah, I find it hard to disagree with you there I think it's going to be definitely Sweden and the Netherlands that are going to go through but Switzerland are for sure going to make it hard for them and Steph do you align with us I do I do align with you Sweden and Netherlands well there you go moving on to what we're calling the group of death group D I don't really think it's a group of death I actually think this one's pretty wide open um, and will be really fun to watch and hopefully plenty of goals in this one too. We can't not start with France, of course, because there's been much chat about this side, hasn't there? Like Corinne Diaka, who herself captained France for much of her time as a player, she's very, very polarising, uh, made headlines recently by leaving out a handful of the big names, uh, Henri, La Summer, not making this squad Um it's a big squad, and it's when I say big, I mean it's bold. You've got the best of PSG, you've got the best of Lyon, um, players like Wendy Renard, Marie Antoinette Cototo. This team really looks like it has all the goods on paper, but has one big issue, and it's a quarterfinal curse, Michelle. Yeah, they they have struggled to to get further than that in in tournaments, and I think it will be very. Well, I guess interesting to see how they're going to deal with their their coach. And given that she's left out, like you said, some of their biggest players in Amadine Henri and Le Sommer, who have, were pivotal to to their past uh, campaigns, whether that be at the World Cup or, or Euros. Um, so, yeah, her she's very tough, but we'll see if that finally pays off that that tough love for them but I'm, I'm really interested to see that how their front three um go with the the likes of Sandy Baltimore and like you said Marie Antoinette Cototo um they're they're fantastic at, at uh, PSG and they've scored so many goals in the past season I think it was about 35 or so so yeah they definitely have a lot of quality players on their side it, there's it's a potent potent uh, front line and not one that I'd like to defend against Steph let me tell you um, but they also have the goods in defense don't they Wendy Renard Francis captain um, you know holds strong in there and is surrounded by some other great players and has played 126 appearances for the Les Bleus like where is the weakness in this team is it in the midfield now she's left out those big names yeah I don't know I don't really see France as a team that has sort of a weakness. I think they're, in terms of whether it's the front line, midfield, back line, I think they're pretty strong all round. It's whether they can sort of make all of those connections work from midfield to front, back line to midfield. Um, yeah, they'll be really interesting to watch. I think, you know, you look at their front line and it really is just stacked with talent. Um, talent, pace, aggressiveness. I can see them scoring a lot of goals and um, obviously, having Wendy Renard back there really shores things up. She's also ageless and just seems to not be phased by anything and just keeps keeping on. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch them. 
yeah, Katoto and Cascarino up front. And I think they'll be contending for the golden boot. But, geez, I'd like to have a play like Winnie Renard in the centre of my defence, let me tell you. Uh, Italy, ranked 14th, coached by Melina Bertolini, uh, one of the most respected figures in the game. Italy making the Women's World Cup for the first time in 20 years uh, in 2019. And with players like Cristiano Girelli in the midfield. Wow, we've got some creativity there. Yeah, definitely so, and especially alongside Barbara Bonasea as well. But uh, the interesting thing about Italy is that they are quite an older team um, and there are a lot of expectations on them from their uh from their fans because as we know the the men weren't able to make it to the world cup so now they're you know, and they did win the the euros uh last year but there are a lot of expectations that they're going to be the ones that can bring them some sort of joy to the football fans of italy well, their side currently sits in top spot as it attempts to qualify for the World Cup in 23. Um, I don't think there's any shortage of passion coming from this side. But, Steph, do they have enough star power to go all the way? Yeah, I do think that might be where they're lacking. When I look at them, they don't have – I don't really see the names that some of the other teams do that it might take to sort of get really deep into the tournament. But that passion you're talking about, um, they have unique qualities that make them really hard to play against at tournaments. We played against them at the World Cup in France and were, I think, shocked by how hard it was and how hard they made the game. They're they're very street smart and they know how to win games. If they get in front, they know how to lock things down and they know how to make things really difficult. So I think they could be not an easy team to get past. Um, I don't think I see them doing anything too magical in terms of going really far, but I do think they'll be difficult to play against and maybe make it hard for for other teams. Well, then there's Belgium. So some may pick Belgium as a dark horse, a team that is on the rise. Uh, They're called the Red Flames. This is a very, very hot group, and I just don't think they'll be hot enough to get out of it. Uh, A couple of of great players, obviously, but what are we expecting from this Belgian side? I think that, yeah, uh, definitely a team that the their opponents need to watch out for because unlike Italy and Iceland, you know, they did win their qualification group for uh, the Euros. So they definitely have some quality. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're ones to watch. Whether they get out of the group, we'll, we'll have to wait and see really on that one because... I don't know if they will be able to. Their most capped player is Janice Kamen. Uh, she's a Champions League winner with Lyon also. Um, but the other player I think we need to keep our eye on, Steph, is Team Decani. She was the t- side's top scorer with 12 during qualifying. Yeah, I from memory we played against her. She plays for Hoffenheim, so we're familiar with her from playing against her with Arsenal. Um, she's, uh, yeah, a very, very good player. And I think, I, I don't know too many players from this Belgian side, but I do know a few and I think they will be a tough side to play against. They'll be gritty. Um, but yeah, I don't see them getting too far. And the other side in this group, of course, is Iceland with a relatively new coach, but currently sitting above the Netherlands in World Cup qualifying. Yeah, they're definitely a, a side that, um, that I guess potentially could get out of this group if they're able to cause a few upsets. They they don't have any expectations, so they'll be you know underdogs going at it, nothing to lose sort of thing. And they've only ever won one game in the three tournaments that they've qualified for. So you know it's they're going to be throwing everything at um, this Euros, and you never know what could happen. I, I I feel like they have a decent chance of being able to get out of this group. What about you, Steph? What are you expecting from this Icelandic side? Yeah, I think they'll be a side that's hard to break down. Um, I think they've got a lot of good quality players. Um, I remember we've I've been watching uh, a lot of Wolfsburg through the Champions League and um, Jons Dottier, the 21-year-old. Uh, she is fun to watch. She's fast. She's dangerous and exciting. So, um, yeah, I think they've got they've got a few surprise packages in their their team. Uh, whether it's enough to cause a few upsets, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Some inspiring stories there with having a mama on their side as well with a baby that's just eight months old. And also um, they will rely on Ellen Meta Jensen up front. But will it be enough to see them go through the group? Let's get your final say on this one, Michelle. Uh, as much as what I just said, <laughs> um, I do think it's going to be 
France and Italy, but I wouldn't completely rule out Iceland. Yeah, I agree. I think it probably will be France and Italy, but um, some, oh, actually, I'm going to say France and Iceland. I'm going to shake it up a little bit. Um, mm. Yeah, I think they've got just enough to cause some upsets and I can see them moving on. Steph, I hope you're right. (laughs) (laughs) It would be be a fun storyline, Steph, but I think you're going to be wrong. France are undoubtedly the favourites in Group D. They will will win this one. Um, But as for second, I do think it is up for grabs. I think, though... I'll probably land on Italy to go through to the knockout stage there. So there we have it. We've got France, Italy, Norway, Germany, England, Spain, Sweden, and the Netherlands. Uh, unless you're Steph, because she has picked, uh, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's picked the big upset, the big upset there with Iceland to go through. So um, who will be the biggest surprise packet of this tournament, Michelle? Ah, this is uh, a real tough one. I'm, I'm going to say. Norway, and given everything that we've just said, I, I'm not sure that they're going to be a massive surprise. But um, they, yeah, they don't have those sort of expectations that the likes of England and Spain and Germany and all those do. So I think that they're going to be able to perform really well. I think they're going to go deep into the tournament, especially having uh, one of the best players in the world like Ada Hagerberg. Steph, who's your surprise packet side? Yeah, that would have been my answer as well, Norway. Um, but like Michelle said, it's also, I'm not sure if they are a surprise because they do have so much quality. Um, but just for something different as well, I think Denmark might be a little surprise package. I think they've got, um, you know, great players. They've got good tournament experience and some good results in past tournaments. So, um, yeah, they might be a bit of a surprise too. I think they're a big underdog, Steph, but I sit with you. I think Denmark will be a surprise packet in this tournament. Let's go on now to a really big one because we've talked about 20 or 30 fantastic players, uh, different parts of the globe, but all absolute superstars. Who is going to win player of the tournament? How do you pick this, Steph? I mean, it's impossible, isn't it? it you, you don't know really until you start seeing the teams play because obviously it is going to be based on how far certain teams go and and all of those aspects. But, um, I mean, I think Alexia is pretty a safe bet on on something like that with Spain probably going to go pretty deep Um, and just in the form that she's in, the way she controls games. um, I'm going to say her and I'm also going to throw my close friend Beth Mead in there because I think she's just in, like I said earlier, the form of her career. And um, when she's on the field, I think she's just taking control and scoring goals and, um, a few matches that England have played have sort of been uh, won and lost by her being on the field, in my opinion. So, yeah, it would be fun to watch both of them, but I'm going to say either of those. Yeah, I, I agree with Steph that it's going to be hard to pick because there are so many fantastic players, but I do think it's going to be hard to look past Alexia Poteas, also Ada Hagerberg and um, Viviana Miedemar as well. They're just... I, I don't know. I'm only supposed to pick one, but <laughs> there are just so you many. <laughs> Let me throw this in there then because uh, you've mentioned some big goal scorers there. Who's going to win the golden boot then? Will it be Katoto from France? Will it be Beth Mead or White Fingler? Will it be Ada Hegerberg? Will it be Pateas? I think it would be Miedemar. If Netherlands can, and can do well, uh, I don't think they even have to win the whole tournament. She's just a goal-scoring machine, so I think it could be her. I'm with you. I think... Viv. I think if Holland have a, a good tournament and they start playing the football they're sort of known for, I think she'll thrive and I think she'll score plenty of goals. Well, they'll have to come early in the tournament, won't they? Because most of the goals get scored in the group stages. But uh, all those names will be right up there. It will be intriguing. So here comes the big one as we count down to the start of the tournament. All these teams in action. We've seen warm-ups. We've seen friendlies in preparation. They're all peaking at the right time. We cannot wait Steph Catley, who is ultimately going to win the Women's Euros? Uh, Again, such a tough question. Um, My gut is telling me that this might be the tournament that England come through and win. Um, I'm going to just stick with them. I think Spain will be up there. I think maybe a Spain-England final. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with them, England. I don't think England are going to be able to do it. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately for any Englishman's listening, I think it's going to be Spain. Uh, I've I've been 
harping on about them for for the last six months whenever I've been asked who's going to win the Euros because I just think that form and dominance that Barcelona have and given that they've got nine players in the squad, um, that's going to be just enough for them to be able to, to, to win it. They're just incredible side and the way that they play, it's so fast-paced and they're just... Yeah, absolute quality. So many big teams to pick from, France, England, Sweden. Uh, As you've mentioned, Spain, it is really, really tough. I went with France earlier in the week. I've got to stick with it because I've said it out loud now, Um, but I'm feeling less and less (laughs) confident by the day after watching all these other teams. Oh, no. We will see. Um, (laughs) This tournament, we'll just change tact a little bit now because the tournament is a sneak peek uh, as we're a year out from the Women's World Cup in Australia. So let's talk about what sort of insight it gives us ahead of that Australia like many other countries out there, will have scouts at this tournament watching on as we count down to the Women's World Cup. How much can we read into the form of these countries, Steph, a year out? Yeah, I think you can read into it a little bit, but I do think there's a long, long way to go and football changes very, very quickly. Um, you know, squad health, keeping players fit and healthy, changes in coaching. Um, yeah, so much can happen in that time that I don't think you can read into it too much. But um, yeah, I think if you start getting on a good run now and you win a major tournament, I think that you can take a lot of confidence then going into a World Cup knowing you're you're capable of going all the way. So, so does a blitzing run here, Michelle, get you carried over to the Women's World Cup? Well, if we're to go by the last Euros from the 2017 into the 2019 World Cup, yeah, you'll make it into the finals, like or to the <laughs> final, like the Netherlands did. And the stats do show that there is a bit of connection. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to win, of course, when you've got the likes of the US, um, who are such a powerhouse. Um, but I, I do think that we need to definitely watch out for these teams and Europe they've put a lot of money and investment into into their youth and and developing them and uh, I I mean keep going on about but Spain but they're they are a perfect example of that it certainly will be interesting I think the I think the form runs on for a year I think you need to be building now and I think it will continue to build towards the Women's World Cup so whoever makes the top four of this will be right up there come 23 next year which of course will be at your home on Optus Sport you'll be able to watch all the games there and we have the Euros it's all happening that's right live and exclusive on Optus Sport during July culminating in the final at Wembley on the 31st for more information the draw interviews podcasts like this one all the highlights you can head to our Optus Sport app. But Steph, let's turn the focus right on you now, the spotlight right on you, um, and some Aussie football for a moment or or maybe even WSL football. I don't want to dwell too much on the recent friendly results because, of course, you weren't there. You're on a break at the moment. Um, Our listeners and our viewers know you very well as a star of the show, uh, as an Optus Sport ambassador. You're a Matilda. You play in the WSL. Have Have we missed anything there before I continue? Um, I think the only a dog mama. Yeah, that's my that's my new hat. I'm a fur baby mama right now. <laughs> As of two oh, days let's... ago, I have a little a little baby Kelvin. Who's asleep? Yeah, so, a, right a fair baby mama. Well, our, uh, our listeners and our viewers have sent in some questions for you, the covering topics both on and off the field. Um, before we answer those, though, I'm keen to get your thoughts on some great news we've just heard of, and that's Mary Fowler's leaving France. She's headed for the UK and she has just signed a new deal for Manchester City. Um, it's great news, I think, until I think about it a little bit more and think, oh, now you're going to be matched up against her when you pull on your <laughs> Arsenal kit. Oh, yeah, that's incredible news for Mary. And I'm very proud that she's taking a big step like that. She's so young. But um, I mean, if you ask any of our senior players, I think we all forget how young she is because she's got a great head on her shoulders. Um, You know, the way she plays is so composed. And I think she'll do really, really well over there for, for Man City. And I mean, I don't necessarily want to be playing up against her. And I I do want to see her doing well, but um, yeah, ultimately I'm just really proud of her for making that big step. It'll be a big move. It'll be lovely to have her uh, on Optus Sport uh, in the next WSL season. I certainly look forward to seeing those fancy feet of hers uh, go to work. <laughs> Let's talk about Arsenal for a little moment because they fell just short to Chelsea last season. Um, you get that kind of disappointment, but do you use it to fuel yourself and your team for next season? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, 
the the league is is so difficult if you drop points one time um that can be the end of your or the end of your chances of winning the league so um it is difficult and we did have a slip up against Birmingham that ultimately cost us on the final day um and that is sort of hard to deal with especially because at the end of the season I think in the league you know we were playing really really well we had multiple clean sheets in a row we were, we were ultimately dominating games and playing some of the best football that we had. So to, to come up short on the last day like that was was pretty painful. Um, but you do use it as motivation to already start thinking about next season and, and how we can be better and um, more consistent throughout the whole league. Steph, what's it like uh, playing a game, going into that final day, and it you not knowing what's going to happen essentially until it's all over. It's very strange. It's very strange because you have a lot of hope, um, but then you, your brain's also going to, well, it's not in our control and um, you get sort of like frustrated and um, it's just a lot of anxiety. Like you, you, you just think about every scenario and then when you go out and play, you do just play, but then you take into account... Um, what the crowd are doing like when we were playing um they would randomly cheer and then I would know that um man you had scored because it was a random cheer and it didn't have anything to do with our game so you do kind of notice little things like that and it is a really strange situation but it's also a lot of fun and obviously very exciting for everyone watching optimism would be a big part of your role uh on the team with you know with days like that and results like that too and and it is a big part of your role with optus how do you stay optimistic and resilient when you're faced with days like that with big tournaments with the highs and lows of a season um with tough conditions yeah i think it's just something you develop over time i think resilience is built up through going through tough situations and coming out on the other side of it um I think personally I've been through lots of different circumstances where I've been challenged and um, had to get through situations that weren't ideal and um, I think over time I've also just learnt to lean on people and um, learn that there's people around me to help me and support me and get me through those situations and I think that's the best part about, about football and being in a team is that you're never alone and you've always got people around you that care about you and are there to, to support you and I think that that is the the key when you're going through adversity and and challenges. As we said, Arsenal fell short to Chelsea just so close, but there must have been a small part of you that was happy for your national teammate in Sam Kerr and fellow Aussie in Tanya Oxby. Uh, Oh, no, there wasn't? Come on, Steph. (laughs) I I am always, always, always happy for Sam winning her awards and doing well and all of that. I mean, every time she wins, I'm, I'm happy for her. But in this circumstance, I can't say that I was. I was pretty <laughs> devastated and, yeah, she's won enough. So I was like, can you just not? And the way that she she literally took it from us as well, like the goals she scored on the last day were what won Chelsea the league, if we're honest. So I was, I was a bit upset with her and a bit angry with her, but I'll get over it eventually. <laughs> She needs to give one to the team. Give one to the team. She does. For next season. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Shall we get through some of these quick fire questions from you? Whatever pops into your mind really quickly, tell us the answers to these as we wrap up. Uh, Do you have a pregame ritual and what is it? Uh, I don't anymore because I know that they don't work, but the only thing I do have is um, what I eat, bolognese before the game. Bolognese. Beautiful. Mm. If you could play another sport, what would it be? The only thing I'd be capable of playing is probably AFLW coming from Melbourne, but I would also probably say tennis. Ooh, tennis star. Mm. Uh, Why did you choose Arsenal in the first place? Uh, Probably the players that they had there. I wanted to be challenged and I wanted to be around world-class players and also Joe Montemuro was the coach at the time and I love the way that he gets his teams playing. You're a new puppy (laughs) mum? Called Calvin. Who's he named after? He's named after Calvin Harris, the DJ. My partner loves house music. So we were choosing between Kygo and Calvin and Calvin won. <laughs> Who's your favourite teammate from Arsenal? Um, Beth Mead. You know, this will She's get back to fun, the rest of them, right? Funny. Yeah, I know. And Jen Beattie <laughs> and Jordan Nobbs. And, <laughs> and who's your favourite teammate from the Matildas? Uh, oh, this is hard. I like doing this. Um, 
I'm going to say Emily Van Egmond. Okay. And now you've got Haley and Sam and everyone else in that <laughs> and team Caitlin after you. And yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of the Matildas, what has Tony G brought to the team and to your game in particular? Yeah, I think he brings a lot of positivity. He is energetic and passionate about our team. And I think he just instills a lot of belief in the team. Um, I've seen a lot of individuals flourish after having him coach, um, you know, especially in the Olympics. I think when we had a long preparation with him and building into that tournament, I think a lot of players flourished under, under what he brought and was able to get out of them. And finally, Steph, where will we see you in three years' time? I know you've signed uh, a new deal in May and uh, your partner's obviously signed a new deal this week, but where are we going to see you guys in three years' time? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that will take me to, I suppose, an Olympic year, I think. Um, So hopefully in the Olympics uh, and past that, I really don't know. I've signed on till this point because I know it will take me to sort of the end of the cycle and... I am getting on. I'm a bit of a grandma now. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm just going to reevaluate where my body's at and how everything's going. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks so much to you. And thanks to you, Michelle, for being our guest today as we discuss all the important things in football, the groups at the Euros. Uh, we're now going to wait and see what predictions you've made come true. But for our listeners, turn to viewers. Uh, don't miss a minute of this one. You can get all the in-depth information on our app. You can watch all the games live and exclusive in July, starting from 5am on July 7 on Optus Sport. Again, Steph, Michelle, thanks so much. And to everyone else, enjoy the Euros. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 